104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Very first question right out of the box, Mr. Reynolds, did the Easter Bunny come to your house today? Always hippity hopped in with chocolate Easter eggs and all sorts of things. A fifth? A fifth? Did he have a fifth with him? It was an occasional one, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Joe Weston, and it is Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. Ned Reynolds right there. Jake Gillette sitting across from me. Jake, how are you this morning? I'm good. I'm a little tired. See, Ned called me last night and asked me to dress up as the bunny, and then he did tell me it better be bigger than a fifth, so... (laughs) Fifth and a half. Fifth and a half, that's right. <laughs> Josh Roberts with us. Josh, Easter Bunny stopped by your house? Oh, probably. You don't know? Were <laughs> yeah. you sleeping somewhere else last night? N- uh, no, but uh, not as far as you know. Okay. But, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Easter, Easter is always a fun time. All right, let's get into sports because that's why they pay us to be here. And let's talk about the NCAA tournament. A couple of good games yesterday. One particularly a great game. The other one... Good game, but not uh, not quite the the Gonzaga UCLA game. Ned, your thoughts? Now, Houston's not in the ballpark with these teams, but they are coming on, and you've got to give the whole team and their whole concept a lot of credit. They got there, and nobody expected them to be there. Baylor is really an outstanding ball club. In fact, the uh, Baylor game with Gonzaga, which, if I'm not mistaken, had been on the schedule for this year back in maybe December, and got COVIDed out. Um, will be a dandy basketball game. I love the way Gonzaga plays, in all honesty. I, I did have them in the championship game, but had them playing Illinois, and uh, certainly not Baylor, although Baylor certainly deserves to be there. That'll be a terrific game. Ladies play tonight, and that'll be a very interesting game as well, Arizona-Stanford, uh, because this will be the third time this year they played. Oh, wow. Because they're both in the Pac-12 And Stanford has blown them out, blown Arizona out of the ballpark in both previous games. But this is a different Arizona ball club. They're playing very well on defense. And when you can hold Connecticut down to 59 points, a very good Connecticut basketball team, you have some defense going for them. I think we'll see two very good and certainly deserving championship games. Now, we talked about this, well, in the previous two editions of Ned Talk, that you don't think that there are such a thing as – Cinderella or upsets at this level of college basketball, but on the women's side, uh, got to say a little bit that that's a upset them beating UConn. Well, it was. There's no question about that. I was telling these guys, I did see that game, and Connecticut had a terrible shooting night. When I saw Connecticut play earlier this year, I remember remarking to the people I was watching it with, "This is good, a good team, very good team. Beckers is a fine player." But they are not a real group, uh, not great. They're good, but they're not a great perimeter shooting team. They like to slash and drive in, and which is fine. They have the athletes to do that. Those shots against Arizona did not fall. Part of it was Arizona's defense, but part of it was just plain bad luck. They just simply were not able to get their shots to fall. And it cost them, I think, Connecticut ended up shooting, I think, 31% for the game. And that's not going to win for you at all. Again, Arizona's defense had something to do with that. And Beckers, who had 18, she's a fine player, but she was shadowed by the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. 
And that young lady from Arizona did a terrific job on them. Are they a Cinderella? Yes, I guess in the respect that they're not expect or weren't expected to be there. But no, they they can play the game. They'll give Stanford a pretty good fight tonight. Jake, what's been your highlight so far for the tournaments? That game last night was unbelievable. I would say of the year. You know, I'm used to watching the Dukes and North Carolinas of during the midseason, and those are the games you really sit down on a Monday night while there's no football on and watch some watch those games. But that game last night was unbelievable. Um I will tell you that I've watched more women's basketball this year because I'll tell you, those girls are really, really good. They are not what I used am used to seeing from a ladies basketball team. I mean, they got some hops. They got defense. Those kids have heart and desire. So I've been really watching both. I think this year is a little bit different because they kind of paired them up where we're watching back-to-back games. If you're not, if there's not something you want to watch, it's going to be on ESPN and the, and the ladies are playing. So, But that last last night's game, the Zags um, – playing UCLA. UCLA had them beat, in my opinion. Um, but the Zags showed why they're undefeated. They showed why they are supposed to be in the championship game against Baylor. And this is the game I was looking forward to all year. And it got canceled, like you said, Ned. So I can't wait for Monday night. It's going to be a good game tomorrow night. How much college basketball have you taken in this year, Josh? More than I thought I would. Uh, mostly because I had a, a, a passing interest in Alabama's success, which normally is just related to football but uh once they lost I was like well my bracket is busted because I I had them winning the whole thing of course (laughs) I I want you to know though I did pick Illinois to lose to whoever beat them I just randomly picked that one it was Loyola yeah I picked that one but you know that that didn't really matter but yeah so I I'm gonna watch these two games I want to see the women's championship I want to see the men's championship and for me I mean that's just as exciting as anything because uh, that's it. It's the last game, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you're done for a year. Yeah. yeah, then you're done for a year. All right, so let's let's go to the picks right away. You've got the women's championship is today, correct? It's tonight, yes. Tonight, mm-hmm. what time does it start? I believe 5 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken. And it is? It's Stanford and Arizona. This is the third time this year they play. They're both Pac-12 teams. And Stanford has won big, not just close games. They've Stanford won undefe- big. undefeated. Sorry to bother you, but are they undefeated? No, they've lost. I uh, think two, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I must admit, I don't know the record, but they've lost a couple of them. Stanford. Stanford has a nice ball club. They're big. They're big and they're very talented. You saw what they did to the Lady Bears, and I thought yeah. the Lady Bears had a, a very good basketball team. Yeah. But when when Stanford can hit, which they can from the perimeter, that enhances tremendously their baseline game, which can really turn the defense on with those big rangy players they have down there. Arizona is much smaller. They're quicker. They'll have to shoot the ball very well to beat Stanford tonight. They have not come close, but again, it's a different Arizona team. I think that can give Stanford some fits, but hey, Tara Vandiver has been at Stanford for 34, 35 years now. She's a Hall of Fame coach, knows how to overcome this, but having said that, Oriema at Connecticut couldn't overcome it. His kids could not shoot the basketball with uh, any kind of relative consistency. I think Stanford wins, and I think it's probably by four or five. I think it'll be a really close game, but I do think Stanford wins a national championship. That's my pick. Stanford is 30-2 and two on the season. They lost back-to-back games at Colorado and UCLA. And those were January 17th and 22nd. Odd time of year to lose for a team that that's good because you usually see those losses a little earlier in the season while teams trying to gel. But they would 
were undefeated up to that point and then lost two back-to-back, one in overtime, and then, then the UCLA game was fairly close. It was 70-66. to 66. And Joe, at the time they lost them, they were the number one team in the country. They were number one consensus, all the polls and all that. that those two losses knocked them out of there and boosted Connecticut to number one. Now there is some criticism of the Big East uh, as perhaps getting a lot more publicity than they deserve. Connecticut went through undefeated. They yeah. haven't lost a conference game in uh, teen, let's see, since 2013, I think it is. Wow. And last year, for oh those period God. of times, it was the American Athletic Conference, and this year the Big East, not a league game have they lost. That's just remarkable when you think about it. And you're right. Both games were a blowout. They beat Arizona on February 22nd, 62-48, to and then earlier in the season they beat them January 1st, and it was 81-54, so not close in either game. Who do you got on the men's side? Boy, I'll tell you, yeah, I I have to like Gonzaga. They've gone through undefeated to this point. Will they be the first undefeated team? Gentlemen and ladies who happen to be listening, Baylor is really, really good. If Baylor plays the way they can and play consistently and shoot the ball well, I think they beat Gonzaga. But there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts. <laughs> Gonzaga is very good. They're living a charmed life. Yes, they won a close game last night, and if you draw a parallel, Connecticut, the ladies, won a close game in their semifinals, like on a foul that should have been called and was not. Saw that. Uh, and then got and then lost in the next game. Does that follow through with this one too? You know, I'm going to say Baylor wins. Really? I'm oh. going to say Baylor wins by maybe three or four points. All right, you're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. We're discussing. The NCAA tournament will go to Jake Gillette. Jake, what are your thoughts? Who do you think is going to win these two games? I'll start with the men's. I agree with you. I think Baylor's defense is very, very good, and I think they're going to hold those guys, especially down that Timmy kid down in the middle with the the mustache. (laughs) He loves to touch that thing as he plays. You've seen that, but I do think in the end, I think that they played such a hard game the other night, it's going to be hard to recoup to, Mm -hmm. to face Baylor's defense and they haven't not had a decent time shooting. They're they're very good from the perimeter. You leave the guy those guys open, and they're going to knock those down. So I do have Baylor winning. Um, I'd say by less than ten. And then the other the other the women's tonight. It's hard to beat a team three times. If you look back in the in the, like I one of the things I remember was Stacy King and OU in 1988 playing Danny Manny in the Miracles, and KU had lost twice that year because they're in the same conference, the Big Eight but not in the championship game. However, I do think that Stanford's going to whoop them. I think this is a good team by Arizona, but I think it's going to be a double-digit win by by Stanford. Josh Roberts. <clears throat> Pardon me. I, I agree that I think on the women's side, I think Stanford's going to take care. I, I agree with what you're saying. It's hard to beat a team three times unless you blow them out the first two times because you've got their number. You know what you've got to do against them to get it done, and I think Stanford's just rolling. So I think they'll they'll win pretty easily. I'm going to say that Gonzaga will complete this this undefeated season, win it all, and be the first team since what 1987, 76, 76 mm-hmm. to be totally undefeated. Yeah, I think they're going to accomplish that tonight. They just that close game. You know, you see that a lot in football where teams have a really close game that maybe they should have lost, and that kind of sparks them on to to finish strong. It may be a little different in basketball because of the the fatigue factor. They're playing so many games so quickly. But I think they'll take care of it. I think Gonzaga's going to win. It'll be a close one. I think it'll be a great game. 
because those are two good teams. I think I, I pick Stanford on the women's side because I just think that, uh, you know, there's one person in this room that picks Stanford to lose to Missouri State, and we had two other uh, nameless talk show host who also picked Missouri State to beat Stanford. It just the women's basketball side is so top-heavy that I'm, I'm going to go with Stanford, so I'm just going to pick them. And, I, and I'll pick Baylor for no other reason other than what we've seen historically in the past few years with undefeateds is it's just hard to finish, close the deal out. So that's the reason why. I'm picking. Well, you look at the rhythm factor, too, and, and we talked a little bit about Connecticut and their game just barely, and, and there's some speculation they shouldn't have gotten by Baylor in their game because it was a foul at that the was end. A foul. But they win by two, and then they get whipped by Arizona the next game. Well, here's Gonzaga. UCLA maybe should have won the game, but they had a charging call. Mm-hmm. Was it a charge? It almost looks like the defender sides into the guy, but... It was a charging, nonetheless, offensive foul. They get the ball, send the game into overtime, and win it on really a, an incredible prayer that caroms in off the backboard. So is there a relationship here? Is there a correlation between the close game and then losing this? Who knows? But but I think it's interesting that three of the four of us here have picked um, Baylor to win. Nice to see a traditional, more or less a traditional old-school name and the NCAA tournament UCLA back in the final four. It's good to see that. People calling them the Cinderella. My God, 40 and 50 <laughs> years ago, you expected them to be there and they were. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so what's been the highlight for the tournament? Is there a player that you've heard their name more often mentioned in the tournament that you feel like, oh, this is a guy that's going to make it big at the next level? Ooh, Joe, I, I don't know whether somebody who's who's really stood out that much. Maybe the Timmy kid from uh, from Gonzaga, and he's a good player. He's a real good player. The Suggs kid, he's the one who canned the three-point shot. It's not something new for him. This guy's been drilling shots all tournament long and all season long, for that matter. So I would have to say it's somebody from the Gonzaga team, one of those two. Jake? I'm going to go with that kid from UCLA, Johnny Jazang. Jazang, yeah. That guy, he does not miss. He was like 12 or 15 last night, and then the game before that, he he's averaging oh, well over 20 points a game. And we're telling, I'm telling you, that kid, I think he's going to be something special in the NBA. He's the one on whom that, that charging call was. Uh... It was, and I thought he should have pulled up. And I do think, I watched that. I think Timmy had, he was there for about three months before the guy ran into him, and I thought, man, you should have just pulled up. But you don't. That's one of those calls. Do you call that with that at that point in the game? Now there's only like seven tenths of a second left. But I don't think the refs decided that game with that call. Oh, no. I think if they let him play it out, he still missed. The, he still missed a shot. I'm, I've asked several of my buddies who are referees what their uh, uh, definition of the the charge is, and he says you look for one thing specifically, and that's the player on offense lowering his shoulder. Did Jazang lower his shoulder when he went in? Oh, I didn't even look at that. That's the that's I'm the always key. looking at the guy's feet and his yep. body language, really. More or less the feet, but I, I think it was a charging call and I was going for UCLA. So I was very I, I was biased in this game for UCLA, <laughs> but I do think that the kid who the Jazen kid should have just pulled up at the top like right there at ten footer and, and drained it like he did all night long. I also think that UCLA didn't get him the ball enough, but I was very disappointed in the way he he's not a very good dribbler. He does not they needed that kid 
with all the hair. I don't know if you oh, saw yeah, that kid. Yeah, but he, that. when that guy was not in, their point guard, they didn't have a backup that could take that guy. So, anyway, I was I was kind of th- talking to my sister, and I was like, man, this guy, he doesn't need to be touching the ball, but then he was 90% from the field. Wow. Josh, anything stand out to you in the tournament this year? Oh, I think this Tammy kid is the big standout for me. I mean, he's he's a personality. He's you know he's got the mustache. He's he's <laughs> he's flamboyant enough to. Haven't wear. we seen that with Gonzaga with the, yes, with the kid with the mustache, like the porn star it. mustache, yeah. a couple of years ago? <laughs> yeah, the kid back in the early two, um, Adam Morrison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever, yeah. Happened, Morrison. whatever happened to him? He, well, he's on their broadcasting team now. He he had a bit of an issue. He had a, he was a type one diabetic, and he was unable to really continue in the NBA, but oh gosh, what a scorer he was. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. College yeah. Basketball. yeah. So let's talk about the other big stories in college basketball and that's uh coaching side and that's Roy Williams has stepping down from North Carolina. And I find it kind of funny that Kansas locks Bill Self up right at the same moment that Roy <laughs> Williams, they didn't want to see Bill Self go over to North Carolina like they lost Roy Williams. Do you, do you find that is, is the reason why that happened? No, no, I don't think so. Not in my opinion. I'll tell you why Roy Williams, in my opinion, left. Of course, he's 70 years old, he's young yeah. to me. So uh, what's, what's he doing stepping down? He still has more years. But he does have some physical issues, number one. But number two, and I really, really feel like this is impacting not just with him, but with a lot of other coaches. He lost his seven-foot freshman center, a prize recruit, to the the portal, the uh, transfer yeah. portal, which uh, the NCAA is allowing now. One-year transfer portal. You can exercise it one year. Well, exercising, I think there's something like 600 players who are exercising that portal. I think with the change... And players being allowed you know, to collect some revenue from their uh, uh, images being used and so forth and so on. The whole scope of amateur athletics is changing. And I think Roy Williams said, I don't need this. To heck with that. I'm losing players on a one-year portal. What's the purpose in recruiting if we're going to exactly. leave the, the campus? I think that entered into his thought process and with others. <clears throat> we mentioned that Roy Williams at Porter Moser is uh, leaving uh, Loyola and going to coach Oklahoma. And, that, and taking over for Lon Kruger at Oklahoma, that does surprise me a little bit because <laughs> Moser has it, had it made at Loyola. Had a really good deal. But, hey, you're climbing the ladder. That's what it's about, I guess. What do you think of the Bill Self move, Jake? I am born and raised, born in Lawrence, Kansas, so I'm a huge Jayhawker. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that tells me a lot. I did not want to see him leaving. Um, I think he's a great coach, but it tells me that KU – they're not stupid. They got rid of their AD, um, Mr. Long, <laughs> and they see. I th- there's some sanctions coming, I think, but I don't think it's. More, I don't think it's going to be as bad as everybody thinks it is, or they wouldn't sign. They wouldn't sign Bill Self to this long. I mean, we're talking a lifetime, yep. regardless yep. of what happens. But Jake, there are some stipulations in there where they don't have to pay him off if the NCAA make certain charges. However, I do agree with you. I think they have an in as to what's going to happen, and it may not be quite as severe as everybody thinks. Yeah, he's the eighth coach since the 1800, like 1865. Eighth coach. They've only had eight coaches in that whole time. So this isn't surprising. This is a typical KU thing to do, keep a guy around for a while. Um, I do agree with um, Roy, Roy, because KU had Roy for 18 years, He's a good old boy system, and he's old, so old school. And the vertigo thing, he's, he's not the healthiest guys out there. But 
Um, he just is tired of seeing the, the same junk where the NCAA is getting ran over by the, the portal and the, and the uh, NBA. So it's not like it used to be back in the good old days for sure. Well, we'll talk about more of that a little bit later on because NC North Carolina is one of the all-time great jobs. We'll talk about that in a second. More Ned Talk on the way in 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Before the break, we started a conversation about Roy Williams. And I want to get your guys' thoughts before we switch gears and go into football. What you think... Who's going to get that job? Who's the leading candidate in your mind, Ned? I think it would be one of the former North Carolina players. Uh, and there are several of them who do fall into that category. Michael Probably. Jordan? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> no, no. Michael, Michael Jordan has already announced that he does not want to coach. That's, that's not his deal. But uh, the fellow, a couple of these guys are on television, too. Kenny, uh, gosh, I've forgotten his last name now. But he's on one of the ESPN analyst roles. He is very good. And Hubert Davis has been uh, coaching in and around the NBA, former North Carolina star. So I think it'll probably be somebody along the line who wore the powder blue of the Tar Heels who will take the position. What do you think his legacy is, Roy Williams, uh, compared to, I mean, it's hard to compare yourself replacing a legend like Dean Smith, but what do you think his legacy at North Carolina is? He, of course, he won, he being uh, Williams, won three national championships in his career, and all of them were at North Carolina. He also, I wonder how many realize this, he, he was an assistant. Williams was an assistant coach to uh, Dean Smith at North Carolina before he took the job at KU. KU and North Carolina are uh, 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 Roy Williams' only head coaching jobs. And that's kind of rare in a profession where you see guys jumping back and forth and so forth and so on. But he only had those two, and both for lengthy periods of time. I think his legacy is one of outstanding levels of coaching, brilliant teams, well-coached teams. You know, he was a stickler for the uh, fundamentals of the game, and North Carolina always was a practitioner of that level of basketball. So I think probably that serves as his legacy and the fact that he won. He was a big winner, and, it, you know, filling up the Dean Dome down there takes some doing. You better win. <laughs> Jake, your thoughts? Who's going to take a spot, and what's his legacy to you? I agree with Ned. I think it'll be someone that has an affiliation with UNC. Um, we've seen that happen with big programs, bringing in somebody that, like where you, we were talking about how Loyola lost a coach to go to OU. I don't think you're going to see somebody coming up there. Those are some big shoes to fill. Let's not forget that, and I don't think they're going to go with an interim. They need to get up, they need to get out there and start recruiting now because if we don't remember Duke, North Carolina, um, Kentucky, all the KU, all these guys were affected by the COVID and recruitment. So this is now that we're starting to see some more fans in the stands and and we're out and about shaking hands again. We still are wearing masks, but it's one of those deals where they need to be out recruiting. They need to find their guy right now to. Fix what the, it just happened. I've never seen Roy have a, a really bad team like he did last year. As far as his legacy, um, he is a winner. And I loved his dad Gummits, his post-view inner game. <laughs> he, he never, you'd never hear him say a cuss word. However, he did drop an F-bomb after the Syracuse game when he lost to Syracuse. And they, that girl kept asking him about the North Carolina job when he was at KU. 
And he says, I don't care about that right now. And he dropped a big one right on national TV. So that was a ladies, that was the thing that I remember him most was he was like, right now, that's, I, the, the kids in that locker room are like, hey, well, I don't give a crap about North Carolina. So good guy, though. I will tell you, heck of a recruiter. You fall in love with him when you meet him. Josh? I I think the guys are probably right that they'll they'll search for a an an alum of some kind to be the head coach. I can't think of any big name head coaches that are even available. Is there one? I can think of one that they might have their eye on, but they're waiting till after the championship game. Oh, okay. You're talking about Mark Few. I am. I don't think Mark Few is going to leave Gonzaga. He's got a pretty good deal out of there, and he has. He has organized that program to where they're a championship contender every year. That just that's a private opinion. But it's also, uh, I think, ego. You know, it's like sure. this is Gonzaga is a is a good program, and Mark Few's built it into a good, a very good, great. I mean, honestly, a great program. But North Carolina, there's an allure to this. You know, the KU, the Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke. Yeah. There's an allure to about four or five jobs in college <laughs> basketball that. It's hard for guys to resist. And I agree. You notice it's been kind of quiet from the North Carolina camp. So I wonder if that's the guy that they've that they've one got factor. One factor. Last time North Carolina won the national championship was twenty seventeen. And who did they beat? Gonzaga. Gonzaga. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. I no, no, that's you. fine. No, and and that makes perfect sense. I mean, I, I think I think you're right because you you just said it. Those there are those top tier uh, schools that the majority of people that get into college basketball coaching, that's like their pie in the sky dream is to coach one of these big schools. So Gonzaga is a great program, but I still think that you could lure that guy away with the prospect of like, you can do this with North Carolina. As far as Roy's legacy, I, you know, I consider him a top, top coach of all time. One of the top 10, probably. I mean, because I, I, in my mind, not being a huge college basketball fan, I think of the names that always come up that I think of as great coaches, and his name is on, is in my mind. So I think you have to consider him one of the greats. And especially, I didn't realize he had won three national championships mm-hmm. in North Carolina. That's that's amazing. Class act. Yeah. That's what you get to oh, say yeah. about Roy Williams all the way through. What about Scott Drew? Think of the other coach of tomorrow night's game. Talk about a guy that's turned a complete 180 or 360 years, or however many you want to do with that that ball club of Baylor in the Big 12 and going up against teams like KU and OU and some of that, you know, because they're not, they're new to the conference here in the last 10 or 12 years. So I, I mean, if they're looking outside that, Mark Few is great, but man, Scott Drew, that's a hard one not to. And Drew, to his credit, had to come in and take a program that was in shambles and really, really serious problems with the sex abuse and things of that nature from uh, the Coach Bliss era. He took them over, and I mean, he has done a great. You know, he's Valparaiso. That's where yep. that's where he had been. His dad was the longtime coach there too. So, uh, yeah, he, he he has a terrific legacy about him. Let's turn our focus to football because we're just we're coming up on the NFL draft. What about three weeks out from the draft? Now? Draft is the last of April, last of this okay, month. So we're four, three, four weeks out, and I'm hearing a lot of buzz on the Chiefs' websites. The podcast the talk boards about replacing sammy watkins that seems to be a big deal to people do you consider it that huge of a deal oh, i don't know because i w- i think they need a lot of depth a lot of starters and a lot of depth on the offensive line number one 
and defensive line number two. Now, they have gone to some length to get those situations corrected through free agency, but, you know, you you correct so many of them with a good draft. No, they, they've got wide receivers. Heck, you know, Tyreek Hill and people like Kelsey. I think it's Kelsey and Hill, if I'm not mistaken, are free agents after next year, 2022. So, yeah, you can address the problem, and if it's going to be that, but no, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't concentrate on that. I think it's offensive and defensive line, and maybe linebackers. They've got a g- couple of great, or at least guys that seem to come up and make big plays that are behind Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins and their depth there. But does that show? With there's so much talk about that area on the team that they there's a lack of faith in those guys. Maybe, maybe to some extent it does. But keep in mind now, you're. <laughs> You're dealing with the media that covers the game, and the media has an often different perception completely from what the coaching staff does. But I will say this, too, and Jake, I want to get your thought on this. The NFL seems to be the most affected league in all of sports by the media, that the NFL can be talked into something by all the media buzz as opposed to some of the other leagues that baseball doesn't really have it, the NBA doesn't really have it. But you've seen in the past like a huge buzz about a certain guy and then some NFL GMs like, this is my job, I've got to draft this guy, and then bang, there it goes. Joe, there's a reason for that. The, and at least in my opinion, the very best, and you've seen this develop now over the last 40 to 50 years, the best marketing in all of sports NFL. is done by the National Football League. Mm-hmm. All of it. You, you guys, I defy you to come up with a single week in the, uh, in the 52 weeks that we have in the year, a single week in which the NFL doesn't have some kind of a story to present. If it's not the draft, then it's the camp that they have or the pro days right. or thus and such has done something. I mean, these people are beautiful with – with uh, issuing missives and uh, disseminating information to the The good and the bad. And they know fully well the news media, the sports media, is lazier than hell, so they want something (laughs) handed to them like that. (laughs) Jake, what's your thoughts on all that? Um, Sammy Watkins can go. Um, I haven't been a fan of his for a couple of years. Yeah, he made made a great catch in the Super Bowl to to beat the 49ers, but it was a a better pass, in my opinion. Sammy wasn't there most of the year last year. He was going to come in and save the team with his uh, his presence in the Super Bowl and caught zero balls. So, no, they can get rid of him. I know I think it was like $14 million they paid him last year. They did sign Kelsey to a seven-year yeah, yeah. deal. He's extended, yeah. So he's, go- he's there for life. He's 31. Um, so I do think with Tariq Hill and Kelsey and Hardman, McCall Hardman is a great kid, and I think he's got a, a, a very good – work ethic that they see in him um i think the draft there's there's players out there that want to come to a winning program um terrell suggs came to the chiefs and, and won a super bowl with us so it's one of those deals where people are going to they can kind of get some guys for cheap that are trying to maybe exit the interf- the nfl in the next five years that they can to, to complement the team so you know let me let me backtrack on what i said too about it wasn't kelsey who was thinking it was mccall hardman who uh, I think is a free agent after next year with the time. So Hill and Hardman uh, fall into that category. But I agree. Well, uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, Watkins already gone. He's with the Baltimore Ravens right. now. He signed with them, and he may be a help to them too. The guy's a veteran if he can stay healthy and can catch. But come on, 
it's somebody you can't keep everybody on the team. He for being the high draft pick that he was, he's done really not a whole lot in the NFL. Let's turn to Josh because he's a resident college football expert, at least Alabama college football. Roll tide, roll tide for Josh. (laughs) We're 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 seeing this right now. Trevor Lawrence done nothing but win, yeah, nothing but be a great quarterback at the college level. I know you hate him. (laughs) He's he's nothing but Lawrence because he beat Alabama. Well, no, I mean, I don't hate him as a person. I just hate him as a Clemson player that beat Alabama, you know. Well, you're seeing it right now that there's a lot of talk that maybe the BYU kid is the kid that people are going to go with. Do you think people are going to talk themselves out of Trevor Lawrence and he's going to fall in the draft? I think Trevor Lawrence will still go high in the draft. Now, I was talking to Ned. Apparently, Alabama had a pro day with Mac Jones, and people were not impressed with his accuracy as a passer which is disappointing because he's a great quarterback, too. He had a bad day at the wrong time, so that may affect his draft status. Who knows? But Now, I think when you look at Trevor Lawrence, the dude, he has the size, he's got the range, he's got the ability, you know, and he's, yeah, he's a smart guy. So I think he'll still be high in the draft. The, the kid from BYU is a fantastic quarterback, too, though. Um, so I, it, it, this may be a good – draft for quarterbacks again like one of those 1983 style when you had John Elway and Dan Marino and Jim Kelly and all those other guys yeah so I mean (laughs) you could have a this could be a really good draft class but we'll see Trevor Lawrence they've got him picked going number one to Jacksonville Jaguars we'll be back just a minute with more Ned talk I'm 104.7 the cave Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. It is a beautiful spring day. Spring to myself and to Mr. Reynolds means baseball. And baseball got its start on Thursday. We're, what, two, three games in? The Mets are mathematically eliminated. <laughs> but no, they, they oh. can't be because they haven't played yet. And they, that's right. They were coveted out. All, all the games this weekend with Washington are out. Yeah. So we've had a, just that so far. I think that's the only COVID news that we've had for baseball. There's some fans in the stands, which is good to see. And the grass is green and the boys are playing. And uh, are you enjoying it? How much baseball have Absolutely. you watched? Absolutely. I have watched quite a bit of it. Uh, the fact is that, yes, I'm, I'm a big baseball fan and when April 1st arrived, I thought they should have declared a national holiday. And yep. uh, everybody, every, not everybody played, of course. We just mentioned Washington and, and the New York Mets haven't played yet because of a COVID outbreak. But the uh, the fact remains that, yes, the game is back. It's And I will all admit, not everybody is a baseball fan. Not everybody's a sports fan. But it is an, enough of a minority uh, and enough of a, an ingraining in the mentality of our lexicon to have this, this particular game as the true harbinger of spring and the entrance of spring and eventually summer into our whole mindset. You know, Joe, we, we talked about this earlier, too. When the whole shutdown happened, which was March a year ago, uh, I got a lot of criticism for it, but I was on TV and I said, hey, I, I, ho- I understand why this is being done. I understand completely. But has anybody taken into consideration the impact this is going to have on society in general? Uh, What are you talking about? You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Shut up. Just do sports. (laughs) Well, look at the impact it had. 
What happened this year when we shut down? Economy took a big dive. Social problems in the streets, and several of them, not just one isolated. You had total boredom and uh, a dysfunctioning of our mindset, and I find that to be very problematic and very difficult to overcome. Hopefully we are now with a return to some semblance of normalcy. It's a perfect storm, that's for sure, of so many things going on at once. So we've talked about this often, the entertainment industry as a whole shutting down, whether it be sports or movies or concert going, all of that suffered. And sports soldiered its way through. Uh, movies have, you know, half and half. A lot of major films have been pushed back. And a lot of, of course, people that make their money touring, because that's the way artists make their money these days. They don't make it putting out records. I mean, they've... They've suffered, too. So it, it's this perfect storm of everything that happens. And, I, and I'm a guy that likes to look forward rather than look backwards. And I think that we've got, you know, a great summer of baseball in front of us. We've this, got a, this is a good start. It yeah, really good is. good full season of baseball, good real measure of what how good teams are, real good measure of, of real statistics from players. And uh, has there been any takeaways that you've had from early in the season or are you just enjoying it? No, the, more the enjoyment. Uh, takeaways, well, of course, you're always going to have some. But keep in mind, there are 162-game schedule and for, well, we'll use the Cardinals, 160 more to go. And for the Kansas City Royals, 160 more to go. The Royals are not going to score 10 and 11 and 14 runs every game that they play. <laughs> but... They have a very good lineup, an extremely good lineup, and one that is quite capable of doing a lot of damage. Now, the Cardinals, and I know this is going to result in somebody saying, you know what the hell you're talking about. The Cardinals kind of worry me a little bit. They have the big sticks in their lineup, and they are good. Goldschmidt, Arnado, DeYoung, this is, this is a power-packed group that they have in there. They, they can hit the ball. Can they stop anybody? They're pitching. Hey, you had Jack Flaherty going on the opening game, and he gets six runs in the first inning and cannot hold it. He didn't get the win. Had to leave the game in the fifth inning. He's getting belted around pretty good. Bothersome. Have a day off Friday. What happens yesterday? Adam Wainwright comes in, six runs off him in the third inning. He takes the loss in that game. Today you have... Carlos Martinez, whose consistency is the equivalent of Jello, he might <laughs> he might throw a great game, might throw a no hitter, but he also might get blasted out in the first inning too. I think they've got some some issues on their pitching. Jake, what's your thoughts on the start of baseball? You are you a huge baseball fan, first of all. I am I am not because I grew up a Kansas City Royals fan, <laughs> and so to. You know, you turn on WGN or you turn on TBS. So I grew up a Braves fan. That was my team I followed. The yeah. '90s, you know, back when I was still in school, and the the the, the Tom Glavins and the Mark Klimkes and the crime dog Fred McGriff, Sid Bream going around third base to score that winning run. I mean, oh, it yeah. was. I remember watch. Actually, it was in a in a bar venue for concerts, and it was between acts, and we we're standing at the at the bar watching Sid Bream could barely run, score yeah. that run because yeah. the Braves were all over the place at that time. They were, yeah. but this has been. I am glad to see some normalcy. Twenty twenty one has has been has not disappointed when it comes to sports. It's been a good start to the year, and so it's nice. When the sun's shining and you got people in the stands and these guys are playing, um, as far as takeaways for the year, um, Bryce, what's his name? The guy for the Harper. Harper is still a punk. 
And <laughs> you saw I got in a fight yesterday. Hey, it's my team. Come on, man. <laughs> Let's turn to our Cubs fan. Yeah, I'm the, Josh secret, I'm the secret Cub lover around here. Uh, I'm excited for baseball. I mean, I think with, with what you guys are saying, I, I have always been a casual baseball fan. Um, I started rooting for the Cubs years ago because I thought this is the ultimate underdog in all of sports. No team has had the futility that they've had 108 years. And, you know, it was great that when they won the World Series in 2016. But um, I'm excited more this season than I have, and I think it is because there was nothing last year. And so I plan on watching a lot more baseball this year than I did last year and or year before even. And so, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. And what Ned was saying, spring is here. It's all part of spring. It's that's the smell of freshly mown grass. And going to a baseball game is one of the greatest sporting events you can attend because of just the atmosphere of it. You know, it's, it's electric. It's so much more electric being there than watching it on TV. This is as long, Josh, as the commissioner doesn't foul things up at the rate right. he's been going to. But that's so no, what story. Do you, I want to get your thoughts about that. So what you, I heard you, when I was in the other room, beefing about Mr. Manfred. What's, your, uh, what's the problem here? Well, I, I object to his pulling the All-Star game out of Atlanta. I know that goes against the grain, because all, I, and I have a lot of respect for uh, several of the baseball journalists on a national scale in this country, one of whom in particular came out in favor of it today, Bob Nightingale. He's a great guy, great interview, knows the game backward and forward. But my objection is this. What does that prove? Does it call the public's attention to uh, a voter circumstance in Georgia? Yeah, it does. But it also creates a great level of negativity, and we don't need that. We're not at this time. I also object to baseball being involved in the political arena, not to say you don't have your Opinions, of course you do, but there are ways of expressing them rather than disrupting a schedule like pulling an all-star game and punishing Atlanta on a circumstance in which they were going to honor Hank Aaron. Now, come on, people. What kind of thinking is that? The other ways that could be nature, if the Players Association has some issues, fine. Players don't have to go to the all-star game. It's not a mandate, or they could use it as a platform to express their opinions. But to disrupt a schedule, I think, is wrong, wronger, and wrongest. And this guy, Manfred, who's been the commissioner since 2015, this is not the first time he's pulled a stunt like this. Runners on second base and double headers of seven innings. Now, keep in mind, the owners are the ones who hire him. The owners are also the ones who can fire him. Mm-hmm. Thank you. A couple of thoughts, because you know, you and I stand on different sides of the fence politically, and I'm going to say... I haven't had a lot of thought about the All-Star game being pulled out of Atlanta. I understand the reasons and I understand the reasons why. I can also understand that with the contract coming up in the very near future that this may be a way to placate players who are obviously more involved in politics now than players have been in the past, but I'm a big believer that sports and politics, whether we like it or not, are kind of woven together whether we want to believe that or not. And I think that um, it was an interesting move. I'm not going to offer an opinion on it because I honestly don't know enough about it. Uh, I, I, I don't agree with the policy that George has put in place. Uh, that's just my opinion on that. But I also think that one of the ways that America works, that we, we kind of work the best, is one of the things that a political science professor at Missouri State brought up to me was you vote with your dollars and hurting a area 
by taking dollars out of their pocket is a way of showing your disapproval for what they've done. And that can be done any number of ways for any number of reasons for both sides of the fence. So that's just my thoughts on it. I can't argue the the thought process there, and you're right. Uh, the painful disruption of the economy is yep. a major factor. But what kind of a unification is that? It doesn't create any at all at a time when we need to be unified. I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100% on that, that we do need to be unified. And I'm not sure that the All-Star Game is the platform for this. And I would also say, but I would also say, I think that this smacks of placating players. It could. Yeah. It could. Uh, of course, the players' union is the one that does the negotiating, the negotiators for them. And yes, the contract will come up and expire on December the 1st. And that's when all the haranguing will begin. But the players kind of take a back seat. They let their negotiator do this. Yeah, there are some representatives who offer the uh, team's thoughts on circumstances like that. But I I still contend that to to pull a stunt like this and disrupt the schedule, and the game was scheduled for Atlanta. Now, I really don't give a blast where it's going to be held, just as long as it is held, which it will be. Yankee Stadium. But, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> how about Wrigley Field? Wrigley Cathedral Field do a good All Star game. But the, the fact that it has will create a level of negativity in the country because there's one side. Yep. And as yeah. far as the voter issue, hey, look, I'm one of probably the only one in this room who took the oath to defend the country against the Constitution, and it's the Fifteenth Amendment that says voters uh, shall have the right to cast their ballots. The, in in Georgia, it's well, you have to show proof of it. Well. It's not what the amendment says, but it, it's implied. There are just all sorts of variances to what happened. I still stand by the fact that I think this is the wrong way to do it. I kind of agree with you. No. Oh, wait, come on, wait, yeah. wait a minute. I'm, gonna tell I'm you glad this is on. <laughs> I'm glad this is being recorded. It's Ned Talk of Morning 4.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We're at the end of the show where we talk about what we're going to watch on a Sunday afternoon and we start with Ned Reynolds. What are you going to tune your TV to? Well, it'll be later on this afternoon. Early this evening when I I want to watch the uh, Women's National Championship game, Arizona-Stanford. I think it'll be a very good very good basketball game. And then after that, and that game should last probably about two hours or so, uh, there'll be a little Major League Baseball on, although I must admit to you, I don't know what game is on tonight, but whatever it is, hey, it's it's always a treat to have Sunday night Oh, yeah, baseball. it's beautiful watching uh, ESPN has got uh, the Phillies and the Braves on right now. It's one nothing in bottom of the third inning. And it just it's a beautiful day in Philly. Watching that nobody's throwing batteries, so that's all good. Santa Claus is not being booed. Uh, don't knock my people now. Come <laughs> give them, on. Give them time, Joe. Give them time. <laughs> Jake, what's on your TV this afternoon? Same with Ned. I got some things to do, but I'm going to watch that ladies basketball game. It, the last two or three years, it has been super exciting to watch. Um, so I'm looking forward to another, I hope, a very close game tonight. And then some baseball, sure. In the Tell back. Jeremy you're busy. Just going busy. Got things to do. Got TV <laughs> to watch. That. Sports are on. <laughs> Josh, what about you? I'm soccer gonna, today? Yeah, soccer's already over. Oh, is it? Day. Soccer never ends. Well, no, no, not the season's not over, but the games for today are already over because it's six hours ahead. Don't you record those and watch them? No. no you I don't? don't? Come on. No, I don't. But, you know, I'll catch the highlights. Now, I'm going to watch the women's championship, too, and then I'll see if the Cubs are on somewhere. 
They're on somewhere, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, except that they're playing early in the – well, that be the early afternoon. They had the Pittsburgh Pirates in, at oh, Wrigley. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go home and watch a, a plethora of murder shows to get ready for um, women's college basketball tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's like mowing the lawn for me when you when I watch those shows. I just think, oh, yeah, this is just uh, like, you know, pushing the mower. Favorite opening opening day memory for you, Ned? Favorite opening day one, I would do more of this. That goes back to my college days in Philly, and it would have to have been the Milwaukee Braves playing the Phillies on a, on a rainy night. In, uh, and keep in mind now, the schedule was still 154 back then, uh, probably in the second week in April. Rainy, cold night, Warren Spahn pitching for uh, the Milwaukee Braves and Art Mahaffey for a really poor Philadelphia team. And I, I don't know why it resonates with me, but they played the game despite the rain, or at least they started the game despite the rain for all the ceremonies for a roaring turnaway crowd of 15,000. That's all they drew that night. Ooh. Philadelphia was not a good draw back then. <laughs> and they got through the fourth inning, and it really came down in buckets then. And, well, needless to say, my classes have already been cut, so I wasn't about to make them up. <laughs> you know, were you t- at the? Were you actually at the game? Oh yeah, yeah, I was there. Uh, <clears throat> Temple, where I went to school, is only about nine blocks away from Old Connie Mac Stadium, which is where the games were back then. Connie so, Mac. Needless to say, wow. in the spring of the year, in the summer, my grade level went way <laughs> down. <laughs> was Hank Aaron playing for Milwaukee? Oh at gosh, the time? yes, of course. Yeah, it must course. have been a great team. They were a very good team. They were coming off championship runs back then, and when they had a, a Lou Burdett and a and a Warren Spahn and Del Crandall catching Eddie Matthews, Hank Aaron, Roy McMillan playing, this is just a really good baseball team. You mentioned Connie Mack, the only guy to manage in a suit and mm-hmm. a straw hat. We did. That's yeah. exactly right. Well, and thanks for being with us today. Appreciate it as my always, pleasure, Ned. Sir, my pleasure. And we'll be back next Sunday. Jake, thanks for being with us. We'll have you on again in a couple of weeks. Josh Roberts, always good to see you. Always good to see you. Best-looking man in an Alabama hat anywhere. That's right. (laughs) All right, guys, if you missed the show, you're tuning in and going, I want to listen to classic rock, but I'd also like to know what these four goofballs talked about. You can download it as a podcast through our website. That's at 1047thecave.com. You can download that through the Cave app, or you can get it wherever you get your podcast at. It's called Ned Talk. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks to Corbin Campbell, Scott Meyer, Nick Fury, and, of course, Mike the Intern.